welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. For season one, we're talking The Ruined of Kings by Jen Lyons, the first book in her series, A Chorus of Dragons. The three of us love this book for being anti-imperialistic, for its fantastic queer characters, and the unique ways it explores the fantasy genre. So please, come read with us. On today's episode, we're talking about chapters 61 to 70. Uh, my only notes for chapter 61 are squad goals. <laughs> like walk into the club like what up i got three goddesses with me that that went better than kieran should ever have expected it to oh go. my god right <laughs> that was like yeah that was the one of the worst things that could ever happen to a person and he and he happened to have a, a holy trio of incredibly power beings being like god damn it we gotta pull this kid out of here and, like, pull him out and explain things and make him feel better. It's just, like, this is the stuff that Karen has been hoping will happen to him for 372 yeah. <laughs> pages. And it finally did. Good yeah. job, buddy. I think we, we referenced it last time, but was it, like, Tianso just turns to him and she's like, Who are you? <laughs> I think she says, I, I don't even think you know who you are, but who are you? Right, it's rhetorical. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm just a guy. He's like, shut up. I didn't want your response. <laughs> you are not just some, like, lost princeling. Right, you're not, you're not like, the scion of the fourth-ranked house. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line, too. It's just like, yeah. no, like, because for, for a solid 200 pages, being the scion of a fourth-ranked house was, in those chapters, the best possible thing yeah. you could be. And she's just like, poo-poo. No, no. That's nothing. No, no. Yeah, I, I, reading this chapter as a reread, I really enjoyed it a lot more because you see a lot more of those kind of human interactions, um, particularly between like Relosvar, Dana, Taya, and Taja. Um, yeah, and, and Kieran yeah. even kind of comments on it as like, oh, they know each other. Like they, there's a relationship there. There maybe was like once a friendship or something there. And he picks up on it. And I didn't pick up on it the first time. But you definitely see more threads of it now. Oh, yeah. When he was like, oh, he's like commenting that maybe there was a failed romance there. And my immediate thought was like, oh, this is like the Greek gods where they have failed mm. romances. But they're like this creepy, incestuous, like fucked up family, not just some people yeah. <laughs> who accidentally yeah. became really powerful. Um Although there is, there is a family relationship revealed here, so that's cool. Which one? Oh, the... That Relosvar and um, Kieran are, are reincarnated brothers. Sort of brothers, or, well, yeah. Well, one of them's reincarnated. Yeah. <laughs> one of them's just still fucking kicking. Just refuses to stop. <laughs> I will not stop kicking. In 61, Relosvar starts to plant the seeds of doubt in Kieran about yes. the eight immortals. Oh, yeah. yeah, what does he say? He said, oh yeah, I bet she thinks you don't need to know. Spicy. 
Yeah. That that's a that's a good line. And Rillo's far is a good psychological manipulator. He's not just Yeah. He's not just like shitty evil like Darzen or like creepy evil like um Gadrith. He's like manipulator Lex Luthor. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. The the, the way Rillo's far is evil is that he's not completely wrong it's just that he's an egomaniac and he yeah. like doesn't care who he kills to get his way but you know spoiler so so don't a lot of other people yeah i mean that like he's not wrong about thana no oh yeah yeah the... you will learn how not wrong he is my favorite part of the later chapters is uh, Thane going, I have never lied to you. And then and then later in the chapter she goes, Yeah, I lie. It's a thing. Yeah, oh, it's great. I uh what which chapter is that? I I made like a bunch of notes about uh, that chapter. 63, you think? Yes. Okay, so I I I said this chapter is great. It's full of honesty and lies and honesty about lies. <laughs> because she yeah she, yeah like she's like i've never lied to you but then 10 minutes later she's like oh i lie all the time like that should have been the yeah. clue yeah, to both kieran and us she the readers lied to kieran after yeah, saying she yeah. never lied to him but but she is honest a lot of the time that's the thing like she is yeah. she's one of those people that is honest mm-hmm. enough that you don't catch the lies oh yeah she has that line uh you know i've never lied to you and kieran goes well, you aren't telling me everything, and no one explained to Thane that lying by omission is a thing. <laughs> yeah, I I think it was really interesting that these chapters with Thane being, we'll say evasive. It's not yeah. 100%. I would have to really line by line see if she literally lied or if she's just being sneaky. Because Thurvishar does exactly the same thing for exactly oh, the opposite reasons. Yes, it's so and good. it's greater. It's such a great mm-hmm. contrast. And I fucking hated Thurvishar. And now that yeah. I'm rereading it, I'm like, my sweet baby. Yeah, like, he's just so trying much. his yeah. best in a bad situation. It, it's hard for me to put myself in the, like what I thought of Thurvishar the first time here, because I love Thurvishar so much now. Mm-hmm. I, I especially love him because of what you said last time, I think, Steph, which was that Jen Lyons wants Vin Diesel, of all people, to play yes! him, and now I can't see it as it's anything amazing, else. I'm just right? like, it's so good. It's so such good. not what I would have picked, but it's no. Because I would have picked um, Tom Hiddleston or someone like, you know, dark and, and willowy mm. and creepy, but no, cast against type here. Yeah, just, like, have Thurishar built, like, a brick shit house. I know! Ugh, and I love Vin Diesel. Uh, another thing I find difficult is, uh, just because I have not been religious for a long time, the impact that finding out the gods aren't gods uh, mm. that Kieran goes through in the beginning of 63 uh, if you have a chance, uh, listen to the audiobook version because the narrator does a really good job of because Kieran says his voice cracks in this scene, and the guy who does the audiobook makes it very like emotional, like he's about to like almost cry, and it's very impactful. And it's just like, oh man, imagine like you years and years of religion, and then you find out they're just people powered by another person who. Is just to you is just a wizard that wears a lot yeah. of uh, what do they call them talismans? 
Yeah, and also, yeah. like, is calling you little brother and maybe wants to kill you? Yeah. Yeah, we we give Kieran a lot of shit, but Kieran in these chapters... He couldn't have risen to the occasion in the previous chapters. There was too mm-hmm. much trauma and too little power. Now he's got a lot of power, and I think he honestly rises to the occasion magnificently. He does, He's yeah. defiant, he wants information, and he... The first time through reading it, it didn't, it hit me, but like this time I freaking dog-eared like four pages in a row where he's talking about how, yeah, he does volunteer. And I was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. It, it's really beautiful. It's, I'm, I always sound sarcastic, but I mean it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is it? Like, um, I forget who he's talking to, but they're like, I think it's Tarith, uh, cause Tarith remembers things and, yeah. uh. Yeah, Kieran says something along the lines of like, if 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 not me, then who? And mm-hmm. Tareth is like, yeah, that's what you said last time. <laughs> oh, okay, I remember uh, something ter- like that. Where ter- like Tareth goes, uh, "Why do you need to do this?" And mm. Kieran goes, "Because I can." Yes, and then yeah, and then, the because and I then can. Then starts yeah. laughing, and I felt it in that moment. I felt it the same as Kieran of wanting to punch him in the face. And then when he explains, <laughs> he's like, oh, you said the same thing in the afterlife. And like, who boy. Yeah. Oh, and then he drops that cryptic line about like, well, I wasn't going like, to leave you and my wife alone together for a whole lifetime. <laughs> yeah. And then Tyen so yeah. interrupts and Kieran's like, yeah. well, right. there goes yeah. my opportunity to find out all the details. Yeah. Yeah, reading it again with all the little hints dropped from this, I would say this collection of chapters was the best one to read again for the sheer joy of knowing what the hell is happening. Yeah, because there's so much even going chapter, on. even chapter sixty one, it's like, oh hey, Taya looks, her coloring is exactly like that Jorah T's girl, huh? So that's weird. weird. Yeah. And I'm just like, I Ooh. forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't forget about the relationship, but I forgot that they look the same and how disconcerting that is. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Like, we, we learn things, but there are still a lot of questions. Uh, and, like, I don't know. It just, it, it this is one of those, like, world-altering chapters where just when you think you kind of understand what is going on, Jen Lyons drops mm-hmm. some shit. And she's like, no, no, this is so much more complicated than you think. And it's great, and I want more. Yeah, it's funny, oh, yeah. those, the chapters that Kieran is telling, you know, we learn that Kieran's noble uh, royal background is kind of less important. And then in those chapters that Talon is telling, less important things are happening. It's like they're getting ready for the festival. And mm. It's not like we're getting big uh, plot altering parts with. Darzin and Talon and oh, we we're learning a little bit about Gadrith and stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, this this mm-hmm. I would say the the um what the chapters that's the word <laughs> the chapters incur that in this chunk are very like here's Thervishar, let's learn all about him, like very much introducing him as a character and developing him. Yeah, I thought I thought the reveal of his character was suitably mysterious and mm-hmm. ambiguous because she really she really walked that knife edge between like he 
he let them get away in the previous chapters. He didn't let on that they were hiding and listening. Mm -hmm. But he started a duel. But then the duel was like very mysterious, and we don't know yeah. what was said, and we don't and know if there was a threat or could have uh, killed Jareth, yeah. but didn't. Um, and something yeah. I, I, I again didn't notice the first time is we know all the way back in chapter fifty nine that Thervishar is gauged because Kieran comments on it. Mm-hmm. So you know, if we had, or if I had remembered that or noticed that when reading these chapters the first time, I feel like everything about what Thervishar does would have been like suspicious because you you can never know like what is he doing that's ordered by the Gaish or not. Um, but of course I didn't mm-hmm. notice it the first time. So I was just like, this guy, he's mean. Mm. Yeah. And Karen in the talent story doesn't know uh, that Thervishar is gauged yet. Only the Karen and mm-hmm. Kieran story knows that Thervishar yeah. is gauged. So mm-hmm. man, I really, I don't rem- like, I feel like this is my third time reading this book and I feel like I still don't really know or remember what Thervishar does he ever explain what he said to Jareth in the bubble? I don't know. I don't think so. And what what would I'm curious of what he would have said to Kieran in the bubble. Yeah. And what he what is he allowed yeah. to say? Like he he probably can't say, Oh, I'm gauged in by yeah. Gadrith, but he could probably like say, right. like, Look at this thing, like here's a clue. Yeah. Go check Look at this, this picture. Out. Like, yeah. Investigate this. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it. I have to assume. So, like in the the card game scene where Kieran is like ag- accidentally winning, basically, <laughs> and like he and Thervishar just keep like ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. I almost want mm-hmm. like so. Kieran is trying to win Talia. Very kind of easy, simple motive. Um, I I wonder though, is Thervishar trying to trigger a duel because then he knows he that is. they yeah, like he must be right. Yeah, and he, he does does out. He just doesn't expect Jareth to volunteer. Um, and again, Jareth is a good yeah. Seed I think baby. He, I think he says that in a footnote. He's like, "Oops, I didn't mean for that to happen." Yeah, he's like, "That wasn't part of the plan." <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but, yeah, and like he is so smart. Like Thervishar, like he, that gay person doing his damnedest to be a good guy. So like he, you know, he, instead of killing Jareth, which he would like totally have been within his rights to do, he just humiliates him, which makes him seem like a dick, but it saves yeah. his life. Um, And yeah, like trying to like manufacture a way to get somewhere where he can pass on information where Gadrith won't be able to track it or know it. Uh, was it, uh, they, um, he and Kieran have a conversation in the library at mm-hmm. at the Dolores house, and he's just like a normal kind of dude. Like mm-hmm. I just, it's a really I love the way she writ- wrote this because if you're reading it the first time, he seems so sinister and creepy, and then reading it the second time with knowledge, you're just like, my boy, my good smart boy. <laughs> That scene in the library was heartbreaking because of how Talia reacted to Kieran because he oh, looks God. like Darzan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so she automatically thinks Damon bad. Yeah, and it's also interesting. It's it's kind of one of the she doesn't really talk that much or say anything significant, but the way that she acts toward 
um, Thervishar is so telling. Like, at the time when you read it, it's suspect. But in mm-hmm. retrospect, it's like, she of course trusts him. He's found a way to make sure that he can rescue some people despite mm-hmm. his situation. And yeah, yeah I, and- I really like the conversation where he's trying to... Did you guys read um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell? Yes. No, I've always meant to. I mean... It's been a couple years. It's a whole summer. (laughs) It's a long ass. It's dense. Anyway, there's... It deals with the fae, and the geishas are kind of like dealing with uh, fairies and the fae, because you have to talk around things, and people have to know that you're all... Nobody can lie, but nobody can... Really, like everyone has trying to let you in on the secret, mm-hmm. and so Thurvishar is like, "Yeah, I hate like, I hate my father, or I hate your father." Oh mm-hmm. yes, like, and then oh, I loved that. And then Kieran's like, "You hate Theron?" He's like, "No, Theron is a respectable person." He's like, "Oh, you just told me a secret without telling me a secret." Like Thurvishar is so smart. Or no, point. it's it's yeah. the other He's, way around. Yeah. He's like, "I don't, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. hate your father. He's one of." Right. He's one of my father's... What does he say? Yeah, one of my father's closest Closest friends. friends. Yeah. So he knows who his father is. But Kieran knows that that, uh, Thervishar hates Darzan. So he's like, oh, so how do you feel about Darzan? (laughs) Yeah. He's he's trying to pass that on. He's trying to say, I'm on your side, but he obviously can't say it. And so he's like... Okay, maybe you know who your father is. Maybe you know who my father is. Maybe you know they're not the so like right? yeah. He's Thurvishar is working thirty times harder than Kieran is, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Kieran's not quite getting there. But he gets he gets kind of he gets a little bit there. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it just really shows like in retrospect like how intelligent and how savvy Thurvishar is because he's like a prisoner, like desperately trying to free himself. But he's still, like, stuck within very strict confines. Like, not only his geish, but, like, society and mm-hmm. all these weird... Yeah, like, all there's a lot of, uh... There's a lot of constructs blocking him. Yeah. Also, about that library scene, I think this is where uh, Thervishar begins to try to provoke Kieran into a duel. Because mm-hmm. he very much, when Talia enters the room... It gets very close with her, like holding her by the hips. And I feel like he sees the way that Kieran looks at her and is like, this will be the beginning of where I try to get Kieran to, you know, get mad at me. Kieran, not a smooth criminal. So probably, yeah, this this emotional reaction he has uh, is probably showing in his face. So Thurvishar is like, I can use that. Kieran's kind of a smooth criminal. It's just that when his moments, like his the when we get to Gallen and Kieran in the Culling Fields, I feel like what's great about us getting the beginning of the book is not the beginning of uh, Kieran as a shadow dancer. Is that mm. in this chapter she can show Kieran uh, doing all these things in the bar to get. The... Yeah, like he's in his element. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. He knows. Oh, this is how you get their attention. You know, you order this certain drink and you mention this certain thing. And he knew the key was in the drink. Galen is so cute in that chapter. He's like, "Well, we aren't finished our first drinks." <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were. Gonna, I thought we were here to Wait. have fun. Oh. 
<laughs> it's adorable. I love Galen. I want to protect him forever. Yeah, but then when Kieran's emotions are involved, that's when he's not so smooth. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, to be fair, like, Maria and Talia are twins. Watching the identical version of a person who you got killed walk into a room yeah. with no, no no warning, like, that would be very difficult to cover. Like and, and we know from earlier chapters is that she's wearing her hair in braids. Right. To look like Moria. Yes. Even though that's not how she normally no, wears and I her forget, hair. Was it Darzen who I think it's Talon. made her do that, I think? Or, yeah. Or Talon as uh, Darzen's wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In retrospect, all of this is very obviously, like, Thervishar is a great, yeah great little child we love our yes. collective son yes but there is a great footnote that i now want all the details about where he walks into his own party he welcomes darzen you know with a, a certain degree of venom cool, but like with a yes yes i was gonna yeah, i know exactly what you're and, talking about and i was gonna bring this up too oh good okay Go yeah on. and he's like oh yeah i just got done killing a slave and the footnote is Yes, that really happened. I had my reasons. What were his reasons? Yeah. We know he's a good dude. So, you know. Yeah. Who did he what, kill? Because yeah. he... Oh. Yeah. Yes, uh, somebody was trying to uh, steal from him. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the note right now. Oh, one of my grandfather's men tried to steal something that belongs to me. I'll have his body strung up later as an example. After the party dies down. And then the footnote goes, yes, that really happened. I had my reasons. And I'm like, what was the reasons? Tell me everything. Weird. It's also interesting because it, it could be something that belongs to me. It could be anything from an object, like his geish. Or well, presumably Deidreth has, right? Presumably. Yeah. But like, you never, or like a Sally stone. But yeah. also, human humans are, you know, slaves are considered property. And if someone was trying to harm one of his slaves, he might have retaliated in defense of, like, Talia. That in which seems case, likely, we're like, right? That, that was a, a thing I came up with. But it could also be like, don't touch that. That's part of my plan. Yeah, so. Or he could be lying about the stealing thing, and this person came too close to the truth about Gadreth and... He had to act. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his reasons could be he was he was told to buy Gadreth. Like he was. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, too. like it was a gauge command, and like and and Gadreth could have his own fucking reasons. Like, all right, you're gonna kill this slave, and you're gonna go out with blood on your hands because it'll make you look scary. And also, yeah, we learn that. later that uh, Thervishar's grandfather knows. That Gadreth is still alive, and he's yeah. just he's just like hoping it'll all go away if he doesn't think about it. So he's if one, a, an interesting person. Yeah. So if one of his grandfather's men did something that uh, maybe mm-hmm. will expose everything, yeah, Thervishar may. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want. I just, like. I want to know this. Yeah. Yeah. The, I want. I want to know happen. It could be. There's so many things it could be. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't do it without a theoretically a good reason without several reasons thurbishar is one of those characters who never does anything for just one reason yeah totally yeah but yeah cedric is interesting 
Mm-hmm. Cedric Dolores um, is another one who, like Theron, mm. too much bad stuff happened. He gave up, and now he just hopes it all goes away. Yeah, and, and it's like, he, yeah. you don't get to abdicate responsibility. Sorry, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like the heads of the household, too, so it's even yeah. more irresponsible right, exactly. for them to do this. But it's like a good commentary on a, a hereditary ruling class, or like a, in, we'll say inherited ruling class, because it, you know, money, money matters. Um, that's all we'll say about that. But like, you know, if you want to give up, nothing's going to compel you to not give up. If it's not fun for you anymore... Doesn't matter. Yeah. There are no checks and balances in place to keep you in line. So, yeah, that, that's, that's a good commentary on why we can't have people who aren't responsible to others. So, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, I know she's probably nobody, but there's, a, at the party, Kieran sees a violet-eyed brunette that uh, is wearing things that'll make, uh, he says, people in Red Velvet Town blush. And I'm like, violet-eyed brunette, and I'm trying to be like, try to. Con- oh, <laughs> I feel like no. Oh, yeah. I feel like nothing, I feel like she's probably nobody, but I feel like nothing is given without a reason. And I'm just like, who is she? I need to know. <laughs> Add it to the string board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I looked it up and then I totally forgot. Is she Butterbelly reborn? <laughs> oh, which which house has? Oh, it's. House uh, the, the Evelyn that has Evelyn? Yeah. yeah sewage garbage water treatment brewing the Jumper Bummer. Boys oh, mm. so she's a, a real sewer baron oh yeah I forgot the only time the Junk Boys have really come up I think is when Theron is saying like oh it's convenient for me to for everyone to think that Junk Boys run the Shadow Dancers but actually it's me oh yeah yeah but I they might have come up again but that's all I remember. She's probably, but now I'm going to remember. Yeah, so. right? Like, you're totally right. <laughs> There's very few throwaway characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to Kieran's story with uh, the chapters with Thane. I love that their response is just to all get really wasted after what happened. Yes, yes. But this play- this plays into my ultimate theory about what's going to happen to the eight immortals at the very end okay. of the series. Uh, Thane A oh. talks about what the eight immortals have to do, that they will serve to the end of the universe. And she goes, you'll never be able to put aside your burden, hand it off to someone else and go back to civilian life. And I'm like, that's what's going to happen. That'll be the end. Like, this is <laughs> this is not including spoilers for any of the other books, but... At the very end, I think all of the uh, eight immortals will go back to civilian life. Do you think that there'll be like new eight immortals, or do you think that there'll be like a like a one god situation? Or I think no there gods? won't be. There'll be no gods. There'll be no, no gods, need. Okay. They'll, you know, wherever the demons come from, that'll be gone, and there'll right. be no need for eight immortals anymore. Cause, yeah, because ultimately that was the original reason, right? Was to stop the demons. So if you can stop the demons, you don't need the eight immortals anymore. Oh yeah, and she has this right. she has this remark about before well, like the times before the eight immortals that they could not even see the demons. That they were just yeah. like Yeah. And I'm like, that's gotta be terrifying. Like you're just like I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly what it means. Does it mean that demons just randomly pop up in, you know, the mortal plane 
and then kill people and then it's gone or it's just that you know, people die and then they find out about demons in the afterlife and like i'm not sure i'm really curious about like what it was like with the demons before yeah, like the eight immortals was she being Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and she also she she drops a lot of demonology offhand cuz she's like we know that the prophecies we don't know whether the prophecies are legit. We only have to act like they are cuz some of them come true. Mm, and then she's right. like demons probably don't experience time the same way that we yeah, do. Yeah, what? I did they, not catch that the first time. I didn't either. Going back to what you said about like what it means for what they previously experienced is like do gods experience time the same way now because are they is that why they're able to see them are they in two times at once or more than that like they're tied to elements we know that much but like they're tied to metaphor too yeah so i i wonder if that's part of it or if i'm just totally spitballing also she this is where we find out that um Thervishar is actually important to the prophecies and not just the, like, Gadrif plot. Do we really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Thane talks about, uh, she's like, some of the cards that are important to the prophecies uh, are already in the hands of others that we didn't want that to happen. And she talks about Thervishar being under Gadrif's, you know, control. Also, like, to us now, having read three to four books, Gadrif's plot seems like kind of small time. Oh yeah, but it's it's you know it's big time enough that he was clever enough to hide uh, Thervishar from the Eight Immortals. Like they don't know about the lighthouse. They don't know like the extent of what um, Gadrif was able to do. Like. He he seems small time compared to Relisvar, but he does a lot now. Like looking back at it now, because you know, I think Kieran is talking about um, later on. He's talking to Theron about Thervishar, and Theron is bringing up the point: is like, well, the ages don't match up, and the reason for that is is that Thervishar studies in the lighthouse, so he's aging. All I'm saying is Gadrif is more clever than I feel like I give him credit mm. for. And, and a lot of stuff that that he does uh, becomes important later. Yeah, he, he meaningfully fucks with both sides yeah. in a way that I think all the gods thought that they were immune to. Mm-hmm. And none of them actually were. Like, they had all their plans in play and, oh, silly mortals, like, we don't have to worry about them. But, like, Gadrif... He's just a guy. He's just a really mm-hmm. smart guy. Oh. He's just a guy who wants to be emperor, but right. fucked everything and up. And immortal. <laughs> and he tricked Thane by separating oh, his yeah. two souls. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That does bring up a question that I still don't understand. Speaking, like, about the demons. This is another thing I still don't understand, having read four books. I don't get the... I'm not fully... The upper soul and the lower soul. Yeah. Still don't get it. It's I not like really it. explained. It's not a criticism. I think I yeah. get it because of an obscure <laughs> an obscure <laughs> Chinese um, religious philosophy type deal. So in certain strands of Chinese traditional folk religion, 
you have two souls, the, the Hun soul and the Po soul. And one of them is like your consciousness. And the other one is just like your sustaining, immor- like your sustaining mortal impulses. So like when you die, your consciousness goes one direction. And then the, all the things that we associate with life, like you're breathing and you're blinking and your heartbeat and that sort of like, that's all a soul. And it's kind of like, it just kind of sinks into the earth. And so when Gadrith, like, when when your lower soul gets taken away, it's all of your sustaining energy. So, like, your consciousness persists as a ghost, but all of the stuff that makes you vital in the world is gone. And so that's why you have to keep eating other people's vitality. It's, it's like, I, I, th- I think, I think that's kind of what she's getting at. And mm-hmm. I, it makes sense. Incorporated yeah. this into a, right. Yeah. Uh, incorporate into this a paper, but like, if I'm wrong, please tell me, Jen Lyons, or someone. <laughs> I would be surprised because she, much like you, is very interested in like old mythology and and religion stuff. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, I there might be a Mesopotamian equivalent too. Like the idea of the soul is not one unified yeah. thing. Like, uh, anyway. Like, the Egyptians also thought you had multiple... They thought you had four souls. They had the Ka, the Ba, the Sut, and the name. The Ren. Anyway. Christina, you're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> this this has been Christina Nerds Out Hour. She can shut up now. I'm 90% sure that Kieran is Sarek's upper soul, and that Valkyrith is uh, Sarek's lower soul. That makes sense. Because I think he remarks Probably. about... Yeah. Because he's a, he's a, he's about to say to Doc, he's like, but no one could take their lower soul, and, and then he's like, he stops, and he's like, and then <laughs> I'm, like, pretty, I'm pretty sure my lower soul is uh, in, in uh, you know, Kyrus Golgoth right yeah. now. <laughs> it also makes sense that he's so he's they're they're describing a black hole, and Sarek was the god of the sun, and it's like. Oh, all the stuff about the sky being green makes sense. I, I totally missed that the first time. I, I remember thinking earlier in the book, I was like, oh, they live in a in a solar system where the sun is a red giant. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding out that there's an actual reason behind it is like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this thing has just been eating the sun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one has the language to describe it. And it's yeah. like, she's trying to explain it in the simplest words possible. And Kieran absolutely doesn't get it she's just like our sun is supposed to be yellow and it's red and that's to anyone who knows anything about it it's horrifying and to kieran it's like that sounds you know weird. red purple yeah. who cares yeah that's yeah. like earlier when ty uh, talked about radiation and there right, yeah. had that footnote is like uh, radiation i don't know what she means yeah. radiant energy doesn't like magic yeah, doesn't exactly what? yeah <laughs> also one of my favorite things about this book and this trope about prophecies is the having the knowledge like Thane plays with the knowledge of prophecies by fulfilling the prophecies where she where she combines Kieran's Geish with the star tears mm. and she does that and it fulfills one of the prophecies right. but if she didn't know about yeah. the prophecy she wouldn't fulfill it and I love it when mm-hmm. books that have prophecies do that where they like play with, oh, would this pro like I have to actively yeah. do it in order to fulfill the prophecy? But if I didn't know about the prophecy, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's it gets very like uh, meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because there there are books where they're like, no, don't actively try to fulfill the prophecy 
because then that'll be like wrong somehow. It's like insider trading. <laughs> oh yeah, she because she brings up that question. She goes, uh, "I wrote the quote down. Are the prophecies a prediction of unavoidable events given by a race that does not perceive time the same way we do, or are they instructions on how to derive a specific outcome? Are they colorful future histories?" Or recipes couched in symbolism. And I think that's neat. It is, yeah, and it's it's very cool and very troubling. The recipe part of it, I love that, I love that you had that quote, because I had that quote too. I was like, calling it a recipe, and then having a recipe designed by a demon, all I can think of, is, oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> it's gonna be so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think of the the witches from Macbeth, like with their pot, their big cauldron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead of like throwing Eye of Newt, they're throwing in prophecies. Just seeing what sticks. Yeah. And there's three of them. And then the three sisters. This, hey. th- this works. There you go. It's very, it does. It's very loose, but it works. <laughs> I, I bet at least half of what we're relating it to is deliberate. Mm. I'm just curious about yeah. which half. I mean, if we're going with the Greek thing, too, right? There's three fates. Yeah. Yeah. Three fates, mm-hmm. three gray sisters. I mean, a, a lot of things have a rule of three. Three amigos. Yeah. <laughs> three musketeers. Yep. The mother, the maiden, and the crone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, oh man, they had that, this is totally uh, back to Talon's story, they have that scene where Kieran is looking at a painting of Tyenso. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like, it's, it's funny how the, she plays with the knowledge in one section versus the knowledge in another section. That was really good. I love Tienso slash Ravery. Yeah, so excited for her spinoff. I just want her adventures all the time, In, up to and including all the fucked up she did shit that she did as a kid. Like, yeah, it sounds dark as hell. She was like, "Yeah, I married my own father. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done it if there had been sex involved." And then someone is like, "Yeah, you would have," and she's like, mm, "I might have." Yeah, because like, for all oh that my sweet, god, sweet what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, fun. and it like they they. Imp- they kind of get into what she wants revenge for, but it's like, oh, this person killed my mother. Uh, and it's just like, what happened? Yeah. Well, she's also, it, it was like part of her pact with her like ghost magic teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for yeah, listeners so we do actually kind of learn about that, yeah. For listeners who don't know, uh, Jen Lyons recently said if there was going to be a spinoff story, she would write about uh, Tyenso and... Uh, Tyenso goes into it and I'm like, when I read it I was like, oh, this explains why she would definitely get a side story because she was she made a, a re- revenge pact with a ghost she wanted to kill the dean of the university and he wanted to kill Gadrith, but then the ghost would not leave until the uh, Gadrith was dead, so she was possessed by a ghost, and I'm like, that that explains so much why you would want to write a whole book about her Oh, and yeah. like, how did she escape? How did she kill Gadrith? I mean, he's yeah. he's dead, not dead. He was so dead that Thana thought he was dead. It's like, how did how did they do that? Well, if you could trick an ain't immortal, you could trick a ghost. Fair. 
oh yeah no but like how did she even get him to that state yeah. like he's a powerful dude yeah yeah how'd she trip his his contingency plan because he's like i love that he, she's kind of sort of not really being like and this is voldemort it's like, he split his soul, he put part of it in other things, it's like, now he exists as a vampire. It's like, holy shit, Voldemort is a bit player. Because <laughs> Doc killed uh, Gadrith the first time. Because he, he kept okay. saying, he's like, oh yeah, no, Gadrith yeah. is dead, I killed him. Right, and then Tyanso right. and Kieran are like, no, he's not dead. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so... Yeah, this set of chapters is a, is a lot of people finding out that uh, people that they thought were dead aren't. Because you also have the discussion with Kieran and Theron, where Kieran is like, Thervishar and, and Darzan are planning something, and Thervishar is Sandus's child. And Theron's like, no, no, he's not. Sandus's wife and child are dead. I saw them. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you saw bodies. Did you check? And he was like, yes. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was it? Oh, I... I also, with the Tienso spinoff, I want to know what baby Thurbishar was like. Yeah. I kind of don't. His backstory's got to be so sad. Yeah. I it, I feel like it's like going to be like very like uh, homeschooled in the tower. By a psychopathic yeah. necromancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... I am curious as to why he turned out so calm and moral, mm. but I don't know that i need the details kieran's parts yeah. are hard enough yeah that's that's fair i think like you don't need the misery yeah. porn of it all right and, but maybe it wasn't miserable maybe it was interesting and gadrith was like i don't know deal with him until he's like useful and can have a conversation yeah. and like he had a really nice nurse so let's speed run this childhood <laughs> put the baby in the box till it's old enough <laughs> Oh, and we did also learn uh, Gadrith was the one to kill Emperor Gendel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think that was something that we had speculated about earlier. Yeah, there's lots of little details that like lots of little truths that get revealed, like Thane reveals that it was Zaltaroth that gashed Kieran. And yeah. Because she, can, yeah, she knows what, enough. like, she says I'd recognize that smell of Zaltaroth anywhere. Uh, we also have the escape from Inistana, which is a, a fun chapter. It's a nice action sequence. I would say it's not re- super plot relevant, but it's a very fun action scene. I think it's relevant because it shows the most, and this is including, I feel like, all the other books. This is the most amount of knowledge about magic that Kieran shows. Mm. Like, he does, he <laughs> yeah, does some heavy spell casting yeah. in this. Yeah. That's true. He's got all his talismans and he does bardic spell casting too. He like yeah. learns to play another yeah. instrument so he can make this work. And it's like, oh yeah, he's a bard. Sometimes I forget because yeah. he's like, he's a rogue slash bard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The rogue stuff comes up a lot, and the bard stuff is like. And then I was sad, and I sang a song about it. <laughs> he like... does have a a pretty extensive conversation with uh, Sharanical actually. Yeah. Um, which is, is interesting and just sort of deepens a little bit of what has already been hinted. Um, the idea that he is Thane's son and the motivations of the people who ended up becoming dragons. Uh, right. So, yeah. So he says, 
We only wanted to balance the inequity of power, knowing it was only a matter of time before the eight guardians became corrupted. Those idiots had chosen warriors, soldiers, healers, the carrion crows of the battlefield, people who blindly followed orders, people they could control to give them, uh, to give unto them power unrivaled. So there's definitely some ego in there from the yeah. dragons. Yeah. He talks about them being pure. Right. He doesn't say what they were. It's like, well, what, what profession is acceptable to the, to yeah. the dragon? I was like, I, I can we see... don't really know, do we? Yeah. But it, it's so interesting, right? Because like, you would think that if, if you asked any person, it's like, okay, well, you need a balance of people to balance each other out, a healer. I don't think anybody objects to doctors being in charge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, but I can think of problems that they would have. And so then you have like the balancing aspect of it. So, yeah. We can guess like they're, because Rallis Farr was a researcher because he came yeah. up with these Sarah ceremonies. Sarah was a soldier? Yeah, Sarah was a soldier. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's yeah, we the know. only... Oh, right, but he's he's part of the original. So yeah, he's the yeah. only immortal that yeah. participates we just don't in know the, the second yeah. uh, one. I wonder. They're probably all, like, academics of some kind, maybe. Or, you know, yeah. the fact that they think they're they're pure while they only right, rest their yeah. soldiers. Yeah, and I mean, like, presumably, they they had, yeah, like, I think that you must have to have a certain amount of ego yeah. to agree when this guy comes to you and is like, would you like to become a god to uh, spite your family member who is a god? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what professions would have egos over soldiers. Lawyers. <laughs> Politicians. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or like... I, yeah, I can also see scholars being like, well, I'm smarter than you, so yeah. I deserve this. I I'm more charismatic yeah. than you than I deserve Yeah, you're this. just a I'm, grunt. You know. Yeah, I don't think it's politicians, because it doesn't Tyrannical say it was the politicians that chose the soldiers. Oh, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they're like podcasters, stand-up <laughs> comedians. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're just all listeners of Joe Rogan. You- YouTubers. TikTokers. Yeah, Instagram influencers. <laughs> Twitch streamers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the little hints that we have gotten of the society before sounds like it was a very modern society akin to ours. So there might have been streamers. Yeah. I was like, why does he get to be an immortal? My tweet got a thousand likes. Tronicle's <laughs> <laughs> like, I still remember the glory days. I got retweeted by Brad Pitt. <laughs> My mommy was mean to me, and so I had to take her down. <laughs> oh, and Tronicle has that remark about Kieran being Valkyra's cornerstone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think Thurvishar has a footnote where he's like, nah, probably not. We We only understand imperfectly the cornerstones at this point. Yeah. Mm. I do like Sharonical saying, come back here, let me save you. <laughs> yes, it's kind of adorable. <laughs> it's unintentionally funny. Yeah. yeah, it's like, saving by putting me in a rock. Yeah, big, sad, crazy dragon rampaging and blowing up an island because his favorite, like, mouse got killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got smushed. Yeah. I really, I, I also enjoyed the action sequence. It was a nice break, yeah. too, to see Kieran be, to see all the characters actually just be 
competent. Yeah. Because they spent all this time being like, and then I played the video game where I died a bunch. And then I played <laughs> yeah. the Shadow Dancer game where I got everyone killed. It's like, oh, Kieran's like a capable human. Yeah, like seeing and seeing how they all work together, like how yeah. everything came together. Like, oh, like, yeah, Kieran has learned. He has, he has gotten better. He knows how to do magic now. He and Tareth have like worked out their weird awkwardness and now they're friends. And yeah. Tienzo is just always been awesome. And they, and the way that they like worked their plan is really smart and um, cool. And it's cool to see them all like teaming up to do something. Yeah. And just and the, deliver the, it. Yeah. The, the chapter before that with the, the hangover cure, Doc has that remark uh, about Kieran uh, not knowing how to cure his own hangover. And yeah. then, cause I've been wondering, Kieran has the remark. He's only he was only in the Blue Palace for six months, so yeah. all of Talon's story takes place a little over six months, with the included beginning where he wasn't yeah. in the Blue Palace yet. And then two years pass, and we see Kieran doing all this crazy uh, magic to save his him and Tarath and Tyensa's life. It's I say it again, but it's it's just cool. Like yeah. it's just fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's slightly more than two years. I think he spends like three or four years on the island because he has the uh, yeah, whole relationship but, with Kalindra. And, yeah. yeah, but in these chapters, he says uh, after the hangover oh, yeah, one, yeah, he says, takes, takes and then I trained for another two years before we enacted yeah. our plan. Yeah. It's rare that you get time jumps like that in books. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, all right, well, two years passed. Like, I, I don't hate it. Like, yeah. yeah, it was good though because like. You want it to be realistic, but you also don't want to spend two years yeah. of... Yeah. It's okay to put a training montage in. It also leaves room to, like, tell <laughs> side stories. and Exactly, yeah. Like, here's that time in those two years where me, Therese, and Tyenso, like, we invented a new kind of bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got real pandemic-y on that island. Mm-hmm. We drank more Thrist coconut rum, which I want to try. <laughs> Oh, it sounds good, right? It's probably like Malibu, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... But thrissy. sounds sweet, and that sounds sound dangerous. Sweet, yeah. uh, I like that... So we have this big action sequence, and then we have another big denouement action sequence with, like, the mortgage and the... Mm. Wait, the mortgage? Morgage? Morgage, um, yeah. These, like, these big, meaty things. But they're all about entities right and so you could easily get sucked into saying like okay this is about Relo's bar this is about escaping a dragon but there's a great part on 428 where Terath reminds the reader and Kieran look you can throw yourself at evil all you want because you think that evil is something you can kill with a sword but evil is the whole empire evil is slavery Evil is like even even the biggest possible ir- evil. I, ha- I have the quote here. Actually, oh, okay. yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, he says, uh, except real evil isn't a demon or a rogue wizard. Real evil is an empire like her, a society that feeds on its poor and its oppressed, like a mother eating her own children. Demons and monsters are obvious. We'll always band together to fight them off. But real evil, insidious evil, is what lets us just walk away from another person's pain and say, well, that's none of my business. Yep. I love that. It's, and again, yeah, yeah, turning a trope on its head again, right? Like the idea that killing Gadrith and, and stopping his evil wizard plan is not going to make the world a 
better place, ultimately. Like, or a good place, I should say. Right, exactly. And it's, these chapters do a subtle good job of, like, yeah, they're the bad guy, but let's remember, like, the nest, the nesting dolls of badness, right? It's like, Gadrith only did this because Pedrin wanted to fix an empire he couldn't fix. Gadrith only did this because systems of power exist in the first place. And Darzan only exists because Gadrith keeps encouraging him. Mm-hmm. And Raylosvar keeps encouraging Gadrith. And Volkaroth, the, you know, the seemingly biggest, baddest evil, is our protagonist. Yeah. You know, like, you think that you think that you know, and you think that evil is something you can stop, but actually so yeah. evil is the things that you yourself are doing. And I feel like Gadrith, because they talk about Gadrith being obsessed with the prophecies. And I feel like mm-hmm. the reason Gadrith is obsessed with the prophecies because the prof because Gadrith has lived in this society that doesn't cha- like doesn't have change, like real mm-hmm. good change, and the prophecies are like they're very detailed about a big change. And so Gadrith, even though he's evil, he's still like he sees in those prophecies, oh, this is a like a hope for change. It's just that he wants to change it in his image. Yeah. Yeah. I love the detail. It happens a little bit earlier, but it's, it's important for this part as well, where Kieran remarks about how uh, Tereth will take a opposite position in order to push Kieran into uh like figuring out what he really wants to do and i don't don't i don't think it's intentional for him to do it this part he really feels this way about the empire but it gets kieran to like really figure out why he wants to go back and do this mm-hmm. yeah Tarit's a good foil for kieran mm-hmm. he, he is his own person but in these chapters especially he's just kind of there to be like just a reminder you've had all these personal growth but you're still stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, or like, don't go being a dumb classic hero. You know? Right. There's, yeah, think about there's this. There's more to it. Yeah. Because they're both right. Like, Tarith is like, keep your eye on the actual prize, which is humanity is its own worst enemy. We keep yeah. creating the evil that we then have to defeat. But Kieran has a good point. He's like, well, this is the evil I can stop. What do you want me to do? Do nothing? Just sit on this island of coconut rum and extremely loose sexual mores? I mean, you know, while other people are suffering, it's like, I'm not going to do that either. So it's a, it's a good... I like them both. And that's where they have the conversation that we referenced earlier, where Kieran is like, I can do this. And, and that's yeah. what I think Tara says, like, yeah, that's what you said last time. Yeah, yeah, because I can. And I, th- I think to Tara too, like that is confirmation to him that Kieran is, despite being a new reincarnation, something of what Kieran remembers, or of what, sorry, something of what Tara remembers from the afterlife of the person he used to be is shining through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like Tara's past life kind of plays into this whole not wanting to, like, what. Why do you have to do this? Because he, he feels like, because um, he remembers what Atran Kandor does, he feels like no matter what you do, there's going to be somebody that like makes society worse. And he feels like maybe if you take two, if I take too active a role 
I could end up like Atron Kandor again. Like mm-hmm. he's he is so, it's sort of even though we don't have the knowledge of it yet until future books, it feels like sort of Tarif's uh encouragement of uninvolvement involves him being afraid of what would happen if he gets too involved because of mm-hmm. what he didn't in his That's past a good life. Point. Yeah, yeah. See, I always read him as taking action as a form of atonement, always looking backward. But I think yeah. you're right. I think it's also non-action is part of his whole philosophy. Whereas Kieran can't remember, you know, and he's, like, very forward-looking. He's like, well, I fucked up before, so I have to move forward in a different way. Whereas, like, Tarath is like, well, I fucked up before, and so now I have to keep fucking up differently until that <laughs> original fuck-up is yeah. erased. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, it's a good point about not... Like, what characters don't do is so important, and it's not something I'm good at paying attention to. Because I like action. I won't lie. Mm. I'm such a sucker. <laughs> Just like, yeah, volcano dragon time. <laughs> Fucking up forward might be a good uh, subtitle for all these books. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck up... Well, that if I ever have kids, that's the child-rearing philosophy I liked. <laughs> I got it from a friend who's like... Look, I'm gonna screw up my kids. I just have to screw them up in a different way than my parents screwed <laughs> yeah. me up. It's like that's admirable. I'm gonna go with that. Oh, and uh, Maya is revealed to be Queen Carrie. Oh, right. That should be remarked upon. All right, that's like seventh down the list I of know, remarkable yeah. revelations. You don't even totally know who she is, is, really. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Just like, oh, right, and your mother's the queen of the elves. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that was so many, so many revelations ago. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of unimportant, Ferris comes back. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Ferris. And yeah, and again, nope, not much point. Well, it has a little bit of a point a because bit, we but... see Galen, like, totally own Ferris. True. Yeah, like Galen is not uh, hopeless. Yeah, he, he saves the day. Sword. Yeah. Yes, and then uh, Ola promises to get Kieran and Galen and one more out of Kerr. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Do you think at this point Ola is Talon, or do you think this was supposed to happen, but then Talon kills Ola and does the switcheroo? I think it's Talon. I, I'm pretty sure it's Talon. Yeah. I would like for Ola to be alive, but I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Talon got her. Well, because in the earlier chapters, Talon uh, keeps Ola around, but then we later find out that Ola is dead, but we never get the scene where Talon actually kills Ola, so it makes me wonder when that actually happened. Yeah, we don't we don't see it, and I think there is that slim possibility, but I think here... I wouldn't be surprised if Talon had given Ola to Darzan. Because we know he likes to torture people to death in his basement. Uh. Or that she's still hiding. I mean, like... Yeah, yeah. who knows? Maybe she'll come back in book five. I love uh, Thervishar's remark about Ferris, where he says, I think the worst mistake he ever made was what he did to Kieran's teacher, Mouse. His, uh, his sands flowed downhill from there. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, Ferris piece shit. The only thing else I'll mention is Jareth calling out Thervishar 
to either summon a sword or to pick up the rusted sword that's in oh, the arena. Yes. And I'm like, <laughs> foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. There's also, there's also, I think it's in these chapters. There's a prophecy about like only the dead will be the emperor. Only someone who's already died will be emperor. And of course, Gadra thinks it's him. Right. But okay. Get ready for it, kids. Think about who else has died. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kieran asks the group of them when they're hungover what the next part of the prophecy says. And I think it's Tyenso who answers. An ash will fall from the sky as the great city burns, and the howls of sinners will echo the screams of the righteous. For the thief, the thief of souls has come. When the demons are freed, no man shall wear the crown. But has first known death. (laughs) That's a very, uh, I am no man moment. Oh yeah, and she died. Yeah. (laughs) Many not even subtle things that all of us completely miss. I I love hate prophecies in books for this very reason, where like, because it's often they're very difficult to understand, and then when you know what happens and you look back, you're like, God damn it, it was all there. I love that. Yeah. Oh, favorite. I love it too. I love I that like up. fucking adrenaline spike when it all comes together. But then also I like kick myself for not figuring it out earlier. I like it when you can figure it out. Like I read that and I'm like, you got me. That was good. <laughs> but so when I read the Wheel of Time books, I was younger and i had a legal pad and i copied every single prophecy written and i was like i filled up i don't know 10 pages of all the little snippets and finally i gave up because he he doesn't come back to some of them he doesn't so like i was really afraid that this book was going to be like that it was just like way too damn complicated but she knows what she's doing so pretty good i'm not shitting on with a wheel of time but like God damn, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get tied up. I love the Wheel of Time, but yeah, it is it is a mess at times. It's a love I love it. It has a special place in my heart, but it's a hot mess sometimes too. Well, I guess in that regard, it's better to uh, not have a list of all the prophecies because then it leaves room for more plot holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if but you like, just I trust that if I made burst. a list of all the prophecies here, yeah. Yeah, she earned your trust. Yeah, definitely. Maybe I'll get a new legal pad. The legal pad of trust. I mean, book five coming out in less than a year, you know? Like, I can't wait. She's such a beast. Such a beast. And, like, now I'm almost like, oh, well, what's she going to do next? Like, are we going to get something new? Well, we know she started it. Right? Like, we know she's doing something with Tyenza. Like, so I'm really intrigued to see what she does next. Oh, yeah. Mm. So. So ready to hit that pre-order button. Oh, yeah. Just fucking smash it. <laughs> like and subscribe. Well, it's also like, I think book one and two were at least written before they were published. So. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, book three and f- four were also just as good and they were written, you know, and it, it makes me trust her process. Yeah. 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 For all we know, she's already writing like her next series. Yeah, so she's starting a brand yeah. new world. Like I I feel like I can trust that it'll be yeah. just as good. Yep. Totally. 
Although I hope she has sufficient time that she needs, because like this this breakneck pace is for for most people unsustainable. So if she's if she's working off a lot of stuff that she had going on for a long time, mm-hmm. if she wants to take three years, like that's yeah. you know I'll be sad, but I oh, won't yeah. be demanding. She she has given us so many books like, already. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think anybody should be held to that standard because, like, holy shit, five books in three years? Four years? Four years? Three. Three and Three, a half? Right? 2019, I 2020. I guess it'll be 2022 when book five comes out. Was but, like, mm. barely. Yeah. Yeah, 2019. Yeah. Holy shit, I thought it was 2018. Oh my god. Yeah, I forget which month. It might have been May or June. The Ruin of Kings came out, and then August, September, The Name of All Things came out. Yeah, because they both came out. It the was same a little. Year. Yeah, it was a. I think it was a little earlier. I feel like it was the spring and then the fall and then. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. Either. Yeah. Five books in and, three years. And they were hell years, start yeah. to finish. They were hell. Yeah. So kudos. Indeed. Anywho, right, well, that's all I got. What else is every, uh, What else is uh, everybody reading? I've been I've been destroying books lately because I've been reading a lot at work. So I finished the Twisted Ones, which I talked about last time. It was very good. Oh, did you finish it? I did. Yeah, it's good. I like <gasps> it. Good ending. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, the Twisted Ones by T. T. Kingfisher. Everybody go read it. Uh, and I've started okay. reading a book called My Sister the Serial Killer uh, by Oyun Ken Braithwaite. Um, and it's a it's a black author. It's a book set in Lagos, Nigeria, and it is about a woman whose sister has an unfortunate habit of killing her boyfriends. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, it's it's good. It's nice. It's very atmospheric. Um, it's qu- it's a quick read. It's I'm really enjoying it. Christina, what are you reading? Well, Josh, <laughs> um, I'm reading uh, the Wolf and the Woodsman, which is. Uh, set in an alternate Eastern Europe, you know, kind of... I, I don't know enough about it to say, like, it's specifically Russian, so I won't say that. Uh, but it's really good. It, the writing is so fresh and clear and pretty, uh, but it's it's very dark. Um, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of religious self-harm. Um, so, like, not for everyone, um, but for those who find the period or the genre interesting, there's a lot of, like, Russian folk tales woven into, like, Russian or Eastern European history, um, and a lot of history of uh, Eastern European Jews. So that's pretty cool. Josh, what about you? What are you reading? I'm reading uh, The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher Bielman. And I was a little worried about this book before it came out. I talked to Christina about it because it has uh, fantasy curses, and I tend to <laughs> uh, find that... Um, a little cringy, but it that actually is so u- awkward. It's used really well, and apparently a lot of the curses seem to be based off uh, Scottish Celtic words, and it's very Scottish Celtic inspired, and it's actually really well written. Like it's very the char- the main character is very witty and clever, and I like characters like that, and it's a lot of fun. Nice, nice. That one's on my list. Well, cool. Josh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at 4 or 5 Wits, and you can read my reviews on Geekly Inc.'s 
Gamesbox.com's reading section. Check out my review for The Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. You can find me on Twitter at Steph O. Kingston and on a bunch of podcasts that I've listed enough times that if you're listening to like episode seven of this, you probably know already. Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Girl and yeah, check out Geekly Inc. Um, Geekly has a Patreon. Geekly has a lot of great podcasts. Geekly has a web presence. So mm-hmm. hit us up if you want to also talk about this or really any other books. Yeah. And um, tell us what books you want us to cover. And tell us what books you're reading. Like, I, we always want recommendations and thoughts and opinions. I have so many. I, I would love to add to my collection of opinions. Oh, I thought you meant books. Both. Well, that too. But... Yeah, books, opinions, magic cards. That's our house. And one really grumpy cat. Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango. Recording. Podding the cast, we pod the cast. Shit is popping off in the books. Oh my god, yeah. Like, yeah. We'll get into it, but yeah. Also, I apologize in advance for Dorothy, the uh, furnace ghost. <laughs> I'm sure it'll shut off soon. Um, but it got good. cold, and so the furnace is back on. That's all right. Josh, I don't know. I don't. I hope you can't hear it. But I have really good was... headphones, so I can hear it very clearly. I can also hear it. It's whatever. Like what is she, she saying? She is saying kill yeah. your family. <laughs> we all love Dorothy. She's saying I want cookies. Feed me, Christina. <laughs> mm. If I was a furnace ghost, that's, that's what I would me. say. I want Bring cookies. Fig I don't have to worry about carbs anymore because I'm dead. You can eat all the bread I want. Oh my god. Yeah. I really want that on a t shirt. Just a skeleton being like, I don't need to worry about carbs anymore. And just like a pile of like chewed up uh, carbs at their feet because they just. Yeah. And it goes down. Bread and pies and fries. Oh my god. That's the dream. I might imagine that. That sounds adorable. Put that in my. I will if if you if you make that. I will buy that off you. Okay. I don't want to commission it because that's fine. I don't. I'm not committed to it, but if if it exists, (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) I have a huge list of things I want to embroider, so that's that's probably for the best. Yeah. Fair enough.